Okay, let this be a sort of disclaimer for what I'm about to do here. Um, so I want to do something more like review based, just as separate from the podcast. So consider this like the episode zero, or in this case, what we'll be talking about the session zero, uh, since we'll be talking about Cowboy Bebop, the live action mainly, and all of that. So consider this like a review series of that. Um, I'm recording this like the day before it's going to go up. It took me a while to finally get everything together and ready to record. And I wanted to get it out before the end of the year. So it'll be going up the same day as the podcast episode 97 so expect a twofer uh hopefully this shouldn't be longer than an hour i might have to condense it i don't think i will there's going to be more cuts and edits in this just because i want to do it section by section and i have the time to do so rather than sitting down for one conversation in a podcast so um i want to try to do it so that sometimes i do a review by myself sometimes ryan does a review by himself sometimes we do reviews together it all just depends on what happens and what uh we're talking about at the time but consider this episode zero of drink tasting. That's what I, that's, that's the title right now. It's tentative, but we'll see how it goes. But episode zero or session zero of drink tasting. So thanks for listening and enjoy. And I'll catch you guys next year for episode 98 of the podcast as we continue on the road to 100. As always, thanks for all the love and support. Drink tasting session zero. See ya live action cowboy. Three, two, one, let's jam. Introduction to the Cowboy Bebop anime. Okay, so we all know Cowboy Bebop, so there really isn't any need for an introduction. But for some reason, if you don't know about it, then why are you even listening to this podcast? I don't know how you got here to this random corner of the internet and discovered this. If you haven't watched Cowboy Bebop before, um, but just to cover my bases, let's talk about that. Uh, Cowboy Bebop is a classic science fiction anime series with a healthy dose of noir to create a unique experience that very few anime series have been able to uh, really compete with. There are a few comparisons, like, you know, of course, Samurai Shampoo for one is a big example, but they're quite, there isn't anything quite like Cowboy Bebop. Uh, like most 90s anime, or all of them if you're a really shitty elitist weeb, <laughs> It still holds up extremely well, and it's clear to see why the series was so regarded, or so well regarded. <laughs> Many fans even calling it the greatest anime series of all time. Is it? Is it sounding like I'm uh, reading from a script yet? Yeah? Yeah, I'm not used to this. Sorry. Sounds like shit. This is shit. <laughs> Look, um, I'm only scratching the surface of it, and you're doing yourself a disservice if you haven't watched the show before and you're listening to me talk about it, because I'm not going to be talking about that series in particular, this greatness that uh, I'm barely conveying to you. If you want to know more about it, just watch it. It's on Netflix and it's on Hulu. So boom, boom, there you go. And there's a movie for it. Uh, I don't know exactly where you can watch the movie, but, you know, some sail the seas of the internet to find that, allegedly. (laughs) And there's plenty of other great analysis and deep dives about Cowboy Bebop as an anime series that you can go watch and break down if you really want to get deep into it. But no, we aren't talking about that. We're not talking about the 1998, 26 episodes in a movie, classic banger. We're talking about the 2021 classic example of something we've seen time and time again a live-action anime failure. So yes, I'm going to get into Netflix's live-action Cowboy Bebop. 
Three, two, one. Let's get canceled. So at this point, you know it, I know it, the whole world knows it. The live-action Cowboy Bebop Netflix series has been canceled. It's not getting renewed for another season. We got the one season, ten episodes. Can't... Can, can we stop the music? Can we please? Like, seriously. Can we stop it? It's it's done. It's not coming. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Look, I I hate to cut Tank short because, you know, Tank's, Tank's just a fucking classic. But this Netflix show clearly wasn't because it got canceled after one season. Am I right, fellas? Woo! Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, the live-action Netflix show for Cowboy Bebop was canceled... I think it only was about a month after it first released. Was it like that or like a few weeks after? It didn't take very long before the, the show was announced, uh, declared to be canceled. So this show is pretty much dead on arrival at, uh, when you look at it that way. And I think that's sad. Look, uh, going into this review, I want people to understand that I'm not going to completely trash and shit on this show. But I'm also not going to sit here and praise it because it wasn't very good. If you just really want to hear like a out of 10 score, like some general review, eh, for me it was about six, <laughs> like a very weak six, like barely reaching six, like very close to a five out of 10 kind of thing. We have our own special grading scale here. I don't think I'll use it for session zero. Since this show is canceled, I'm just talking about it shooting the shit, but <laughs> This show, it wasn't awful to me, but it damn well wasn't great. And as you can see, there's a lot of reasons as to why that ended up being the case. And I want people to enter this review with an open mind and understanding that there's going to be people that actually liked the live action show, and there's gonna be people that absolutely fucking hated it. And I'm sure that's like the bulk of the population when it comes to this subject and this topic. Uh, but there's also probably a small percentage in the middle. Like, I'd say that it's like 49% that, like, really, really, like, enjoyed it and kind of wanted a season two. 49% that fucking hated it and glad it's gone. And then that leftover 2% is people like me, you know, <laughs> who are kind of in the middle about it, thought it had potential to be better. Maybe it could have been better but that didn't end up being the case. And I think that sucks. I think that kinda is a tragedy because I do think this uh, live action show had a, had a lot of potential to be something more. And I feel like while season one had a lot of weak points, I mean, heavy, heavy weak points, it did have some good ideas that were like executed in an all right manner. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, we're never going to see if that was going to blossom into something more. And I know a lot of people didn't like the campiness of it or like the fact that it kind of edged on comedy a little too much. I actually didn't mind that. I thought that was, thought that was neat. thought that was fun. Uh, but we'll get more into it. I'm going to break it down case by, uh, piece by piece, just giving a short overall summary thoughts of how I felt about certain subjects. Some will be meatier than the others, but I don't want to dwell on this section too long. I just wanted to say... Don't shit on people just because they like the show and now it's canceled. Yes, the show is canceled. Boom, boom, whatever. You still have your anime. Uh, even if the show still wasn't... It, even if the show was still here. 
also to the people supporting the live who are on the live action side saying like it's because you guys didn't watch it it's because you guys thought it was gonna fail from the start you guys are the same people who said if you don't want to watch it or if you don't think it's going to be good or if you don't like it after the first episode don't watch it and guess what people did they didn't watch it clearly because this show is canceled it sucks but they did what they were told we got to move on from it people that's the end of it so yeah that's what this section is for now we're going to move on into the little meteor sections of the review welcome to the bebop the mixed bag that is the live action bebop world hi <laughs> okay let's talk about the world of bebop right <laughs> or at least the live action one uh it takes place in the same you know time and the same place throughout space places throughout space that we see in the anime and this section is mainly going to be talking about the execution of said set pieces and if they actually add to the actual vibe and ambiance of the world do they make it feel like the cowboy bebop we know and love in the anime in the live action the answer to that question is yes and no and it, I think the main reason is going to come from, I guess, it's more style rather than substance, I would say. Uh, if you've watched all 10 episodes, you'll, you'll get what I'm talking about. I think they have fantastic set pieces. I think they did an amazing job with the set pieces. If you see like the scenes where they're in space, they, they, didn't, they didn't sting out too bad on like the CGI or the special effects for this show. It's not like top of the line, top notch greatness that you would see from other shows that put in bigger budgets. Like it's not gonna be like something you would see from the Mandalorian, but it's not bad. It's not bad at all. Especially a lot of the space sequences or the the sequences involving like the ships, like the swordfish. Uh, it looks really, really good. And it looks really, really clean. It doesn't distract me. It didn't distract me or take me out of like the world or the setting as I was watching those set pieces and I was watching things transition. Um, costumes. Costume design, I think was very top notch, honestly. I think they did a very good job with how all the, uh, all the costumes look to portray the characters. Uh, the spike look worked great. Jet's look had some minor changes to it, looked great. There's the controversy with Faye's outfit. I don't really give a fuck. I think Faye's outfit in the live action looks lovely. I think it looks good. What if I, what if I, uh, what I have preferred Faye's anime outfit? I mean, I guess just for authenticity's sake, but I feel like it wasn't just a choice in terms of like, oh, we're trying to not be over sexualizing women, even though that kind of goes hand in hand with Faye's character just a bit with the idea of her being a femme fatale but it also kind of, I feel like it would have come out looking cornier had they used the outfit. Not saying Faye's outfit looks bad and that people that cosplay as Faye in her actual outfit look corny. I just feel like compared to what they had set up in their live action show, I don't think that design would have fit that, that live action world. And this is why I say it's kind of yes and no, does it fit the vibe of the anime Cowboy Bebop? Yes, and the idea of like the cow the costume designs for the most part look great. And the set pieces are absolutely fantastic. The designs of the ships look really good. The Bebop looks great. The swordfish looks great, like I said. Uh, and a lot of the space scenes with, you know, CGI involving CGI and whatnot. 
they look pretty good. They look pretty good. And I, I think they did a good job. Where I think the problem is that takes me away from the anime to an extent, and I think it's going to be the overall problem I see with the live action as a whole, is how it was directed. Uh, how it was shot and how it was directed. I think it was shot okay. It wasn't anything special. Like when they released that session zero for the live action, that was cool. They put a lot of effort into that session zero and a lot of like cool editing tricks. And of course I wasn't expecting it to look exactly like session zero throughout a full like, what, 45 minute fucking episode, 10 times over. Like I wasn't expecting it to look just like that because I'm, I'm, of course that takes a lot of money. That takes a lot of effort to do. And I'm not saying, oh, they're lazy and they could have done more. Of course they could have, but of course I'm not expecting that level of quality for 45 minutes that we got from a three minute separate like extendo kind of trailer thing essentially. So, but I also wasn't expecting it to not be, it didn't feel special. If that makes sense. It didn't feel special. It didn't feel unique. They were very generic shots. They kind of had cool little transitions every now and then that I thought were neat. And they were kind of fun to, it was kind of fun to look at at some points when you see transitions or just how certain scenes are flowing in terms of shots. But other than that, it was very generic, just regular, you know, run of the mill cuts, like going back and forth between different fight scenes, different scenes as they transition into another scene. It's just, you know, a cut to that scene. It wasn't anything like we saw in Session Zero, and I feel like what they could have done is taken the stuff they did in Session Zero for the live action and made that more of like the way they transitioned, you know, just kind of had it flow over like that. And I feel like that would have helped tremendously with how uh, the flow and the vibe of the show was going for it and would have uh, made me feel like it was more comparable to the Cowboy Bebop world. It felt like I was looking at a really good model of the cowboy bebop world if 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 that makes sense you know like i it, it was like wow this looks great this looks just like how i remember from the anime but i can tell it's not that because of the way it's shot and because of the way it's directed um it, it doesn't flow like the anime it's not as smooth or cool as the anime you know the anime was a sci-fi but it was also like it had a lot of noir aspects to it. So it had that vibe to it and it had that constant flow to it as you watch the episodes that just like, yeah, this is like paced really well. And I know a lot of people say like, there's, there's a population of people that say Cowboy Bebop is boring and that a lot of episodes don't matter. And I just find that to be the cappingest of cap. Uh, the anime for Cowboy Bebop, every, almost every single episode matters because the first few initial episodes introduce us to the main cast. Like we see Spike and Jet, we see how Ayn ends up joining them, we see how Faye gets involved, we get to know like what's going on in that world as far as like the bounty hunting aspect goes and why there are cowboys in this world. And uh, you don't even fucking meet Ed until like halfway through the anime. So I don't know what you mean, like these episodes don't matter. I, if, if you had to pick an episode that really didn't count, I guess the episode with like the old rotting food that like made them all sick and they had to try to, Spike had to try to fight it at the end. I guess that episode kind of doesn't count, <laughs> I guess. 
but like the rest of them have impact it does continue to move the story forward in one way or another uh maybe it like moves the pace of the main plot forward involving spike and vicious maybe you get to know a little bit more about Faye. you get to know a little bit more about jet you get to know a little bit more about ed or in general you just get to see the characters interact more and they develop as characters interacting with each other which is what you want you want these characters to get to know each other to grow to form bonds they want to feel like real people so sorry i just had to bring that up i think people are weird when they say uh cowboy bebops not all of cowboy bebops episodes matter almost every single one of those episodes matters but uh going back to set pieces i apologize <laughs> Um, going back to the setting in the world of the live action, I feel like the live action does not execute that well. And that is its greatest downfall. There are more big downfalls, <laughs> don't get me wrong, but its greatest downfall is its direction. And I feel like had they had like taken more influence from what they did with Session Zero, it didn't have to be exactly like uh, Session Zero, but if they had taken aspects from it, and put it into the actual show, it would have at least felt a little stronger and felt a little more like Cowboy Bebop and maybe kept a lot more people watching because at least it would have gave them a sense of comfort and nostalgia, even if they weren't really vibing to the show as a whole. So that's all I really have to say about the live action world. Very stylish, very pretty to look at, I believe, but not a lot of substance to it, which is its first big, uh, the show's first big flaw. Kids, animals, and women with attitude, the good, bad, and ugly of the live action cast. Okay, so for the cast, I have uh, the wiki up just for the list, just cause I don't remember every single name by heart. And in my notes for the characters when I was writing this up, I only wrote the character names. <laughs> so we're going to go down the list of actors and the characters they play, and I'll talk about them. Clearly the main cast, I'm going to be talking about a little bit more than the rest of them, but I might have a bit to say, maybe at least a sentence about each character, at least. But I feel like the cast is a mixed bag and the strongest, strongest, strongest characters are the first two we're gonna talk about right off the bat, which is a good thing and a bad thing. And it's a good thing because they're like our main, main two characters that we're gonna see for most of season one. And that is Spike Spiegel and Jet Black. So we have John Cho playing Spike Spiegel, AKA Fearless, his, his syndicate name in the live action. So, um, not much background to go around uh, to go with when it comes to Spike. I mean, if you've seen the show, you know who Spike Spiegel is. He's our protagonist. He is our main cowboy in Cowboy Bebop, and he is a former member 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 <laughs> member of the Red Dragon Crime Syndicate. Uh, currently, he's looking for revenge against Vicious, and that's his whole mo. And he's currently, you know, just. Yeah, everyday bounty hunter. Uh, Spike's character is very cool. He's very laid back, uh, but he can throw down due to, you know, being a part of the syndicate. And he can get really serious and even upset <laughs> when you bring up some touchy subject subjects, such as Vicious. Vicious name alone in the anime a lot of the time can send Spike into a fury. Uh, so 
it's it's kind he's kind of a character that likes to hide a lot and i think his cool demeanor is both realistically him but at the same time a way he likes to hide that nature and i think john cho did a pretty fantastic job uh portraying this character uh, as as good as you could portraying uh an anime character in live action i do i do wholeheartedly and openly say this i think john cho did a fantastic fucking job as spike if you disagree with me that is perfectly fine we are both human beings we don't have to agree on things please don't come at me <laughs> but i think he did a great job portraying the character he did put his own little spin and flair on it in certain aspects here and there but overall i felt spike when i saw him on screen and i thought that was great so um i'll get into more of him after i talk about jet black jet black was played uh, uh by mustafa shakir he was bushmaster in season two of luke cage another fucking canceled netflix show back when netflix remember netflix just canceled all the marvel shows <laughs> um but yeah he he played he played bushmaster if you if you watch season two of luke cage and he pretty much stole the show for the majority of that season he is great don't get me wrong don't get me wrong what's his name uh was it was it mike colter as, as luke cage the guy who did luke cage still fantastic as luke cage love luke cage but oh my god there's something about uh mustafa shakir that he he he's he does a great job portraying characters and i do think he did a great job he, he did i say that correctly i do think he do a do da boom 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 <laughs> i do think he did a great job uh playing jet black i do think he did uh not as good as john playing spike but for the way and that's because the way they kind of wrote jet's character in for season one there's a lot of differences there's some major different aspects and we'll get on some of those characters in a minute but just to sum it up jet is a father in the live action series of cowboy bebop they kind of take his backstory about him having you know a former you know partner in a relationship with her and she left da 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 da, da. there's episodes about that watch the anime if you haven't what are you doing to yourself um but they kind of take a, they kind of put a spin on it and so now he's divorced from his wife there was a falling out it there's stuff that happened they involve kind of jets like you know a backstory about back in the day when he was a cop and all that good shit and how he ended up with the robotic arm and all that good all that stuff uh they they switch it up they switch it up a good bit in the live action i didn't hate it though and we'll talk about it more when we get more into the plot details but yeah jet is a father <laughs> um and the wife has custody of course jet's a fucking cowboy he wasn't winning that and also jets one of jets like old partners like from way back in the day or just someone he knew back when he was a cop married his wife and now is his daughter's stepdad and he fucking hates it to his core so jet's struggling with that as well as being a cowboy and it kind of gives jet a more like father figure-ish role in cowboy Baby. i don't want to say father figure-ish but he is it, it shows his age uh in the live action series but um he he's always trying to be the voice of reason especially between uh spike and Faye and throughout the live action kind of similar to the show but they give you a bit more reason as to why 
and they still keep the aspect of him loving jazz and i don't know i really liked it <laughs> this is my favorite part about the live action so please bear with me while i gush about uh john and mustafa just having really good fucking chemistry together i thought uh spike and jet and the live action were great. I thought the banter was great. I thought the back and forth with them was great. I thought the action sequences with them were great. Those two together as those characters were fucking great. That is the strongest point of this entire show. That's right, guys. From here on out, nothing will be as strong as what I'm talking about now. <laughs> so buckle up. We got a long way to go. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they, they were amazing. Uh... And it's, it's what really kept me watching the show through all 10 episodes was those two characters. They always did something and had a lot of aspects and had a lot of energy and charisma throughout the, the series that kept it going for me. So those two, awesome, amazing. I don't have a lot to say about them because this is more of a critique of the Netflix series as a whole. So when you hear me talking positives about this show, they're going to be shorter because if you've watched the show the the anime you know what i'm talking about so i think they just did a good job at being like these live action counterparts to our beloved anime characters especially uh mustafa like i said i don't think he played jet as well as john played spike but reasons the edits to the story but i have a soft spot in my heart for jet jet is my favorite character in cowboy bebop don't ask me why i can't tell you exactly why i just really like jet i, I think he's great so I, I, and I also really love Mustafa Shakir. So <laughs> those two together match made in heaven. And the way he's just like, so sick of the bullshit in those scenes, just like spike, God damn it. Like, like, I love it. I love to see it. It puts a smile on my face and I'm glad, uh, he got the role. And it's kind of like one of the sad moments for me when thinking about how this live action got canceled, you're not going to see that character progress as like going from this dad angle and you're not going to see him and spike in the live action progress going from the angle where season one ended if you haven't watched season one i'll talk about it when we get to more uh the main plot the meaty plot details so don't worry we'll get to that but it is kind of a bummer we won't see that continue but it is what it is moving on to faye valentine she was played by daniela panita um i have extremely mixed feelings about the portrayal of Faye Valentine in this live action. I feel like as the live action went along, I grew to enjoy this version of Faye more and more. Not as much as the anime, of course. I don't think I like any of these characters as much as they are, as much as their original anime counterparts. Of course not. But she took a she was an acquired taste live action fay and there's several reasons because of that now originally in my head i always used the term she was like too tomboyish as she was playing the character but it never kind of felt right to say that i don't want to say too tomboyish uh what i think it is i think she was too animated when she played when she was playing fay and what i mean by that is this this show is definitely campy and they do have a lot of characters that play themselves up very like animated like for the you know the campiness of the live action like even you know john and musafa as spike and show they have a lot of campy moments but i feel like faye since she's part of the main cast she's part of the main team since she's always 
there over a lot of those other characters, like the villain, the villain of the week kind of episode characters uh, that are very campy and animated and out there. Since I'm seeing her for almost every single fucking episode, there's more of this like uh, in your face to her character. Like she played it up to be too animated. Uh, and Faye is kind of, you know, like a louder character. She can be a little goofy and weird and even a little tomboyish sometimes in the anime. Just a little bit of those aspects. But at Faye's core, she's like this Fem Patel. She has this missing memory. So there is something very important to her. And I feel like that kind of got a bit muddied in the live action because of the way uh, Daniela portrayed the character in the live action. And like I said, as the episodes go along, I feel like I was able to adjust to her character better. And I also feel like she was less animated as the episodes went on because it is getting more into her actual backstory and her memory loss uh, due to being frozen and all that good shit. And you know, you, you've seen the anime, you know, she got played out of a bunch of money. Da -da 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 -da. I feel like the more they got into that and her wanting to uncover her past, the more I was able to enjoy Faye's character because that's the Faye I remember from the anime. The introduction of her being really loud and in your face, it's very like off-putting. Not just because that's not how Faye really is and I kind of, there's that disconnect aspect, that's one thing. But it's also just kind of obnoxious. I didn't really enjoy it. It was annoying. It was like, maybe if I was like 12, I'd be into it, but I hate that. Like, I don't mind characters being loud and in your face every now and then, especially if they are actually funny, like Deadpool. Deadpool's a very in-your-face, break-the-fourth-wall, wacky kind of animated character, but Deadpool is fucking hilarious. Like, the character just pulls it off very well. And I think since Faye wasn't supposed to be that, it already is a step in the wrong direction, so then it's just kind of like, oh my god, this obnoxious-ass character. But, um... She's she's an acquired taste. You get you get there. You get there. I feel. I feel by the end of season one, she got there. And again, if we were gonna get a season two, maybe she would have done a lot more, and then we could have seen that. So uh, moving along, though, I have some more stuff to say, but that'll involve the plot details. I have a few other issues with how they handled Faye's character for certain reasons. But um, Moving on to this next duo, I uh, did not enjoy these characters being portrayed in this live action series for a lot of reasons. We have Elena Santine, Santine? I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. She was Julia. Uh, and then we have Alex uh, Hassel as Vicious, Spike's nemesis. Nemesis. Now, <laughs> What was wrong with Vicious and Julia in the live-action Cowboy Bebop? <sighs> Where do I start? <laughs> um, they were in, like, every fucking episode. They were in, like, every fucking episode. I hated that. I hated it so much. I, I Look, I get it. Cowboy Bebop's this beloved classic. Most people have watched it, and they probably assumed that most people that were going to watch the live-action had seen the anime, so they knew who Vicious and Julia were. But I feel like they killed a lot of that those two's character because they were shown so early, and they were just constantly there. At this point, like by the time we got to like the final confrontations in the last episode, 
I was so fucking overseeing Spike and our Vicious and Julia. I was like, dude, I don't even care. Like, part of me doesn't even really care. Like, this isn't like this, oh, it's Vicious. Because I've seen Vicious like nine fucking times before this. So I was just like over it. I was overseeing him. Vicious and Julia have like this B plot. Uh, as, you know, Spike, Jet, and, and Faye do their thing. Because they're, you know, our main characters. You have Vicious and Julia and what they're doing with the Syndicate. Vicious, you know, trying to take over the Syndicate. Julia trying to escape Vicious because she knows that nigga is, in fact, fucking crazy. Um, so that's, like, one big, big problem with it. You see them way too much. Uh, I would not have mind seeing Vicious a couple of times in the live action. Like, even if it was the first episode, maybe hint at his presence. And then a couple episodes later, maybe show him doing like a bit of what he's doing. And then maybe, and then you can have a confrontation at the season finale with, with, with Vicious and Spike. And you're just kind of like, okay, so Vicious is a big heavy threat and we know this. So seasons going forward, you kind of, you can bring more of Vicious out because he's been set up to be this bad guy. Kind of like how the first half of the anime is. You don't see much of him. And even in the second half, you don't see much of him. And I feel like that was his downfall too, because they tried to give Vicious more of a character, which I appreciate them trying to do, but I did not like this because it was, he was a very, no, no offense to the actor. Alex Hassel, I think is a good actor, or Hazel Hassel. I'm sorry if I'm getting the name wrong, but I don't like how Vicious was written. He felt like a very generic villain. He's very like, I want to rule the syndicate. I'm angry. I have anger issues. I get really violent when I get mad. I just want my dad to love me. Like, like shit you've seen before a million times in other like anime and TV shows, but it wasn't special. There wasn't anything unique to it. And I think the part of Vicious that made him so special in the anime is because we didn't see him so much and because there was so little like character actually revealed, you got just enough of Vicious in the anime to know who he was to know what he was about and to know why Spike and him had this beef and why uh, it needed to be settled by the end of the show. And you knew Vicious's motivations. Uh, he didn't need that much of a character because it wasn't him as a character that meant something. It was more so what he represented towards Spike in the series in, of the anime that meant something, which is why we saw so little of Vicious. It was more so about Spike than Vicious. Vicious was just an aspect of that and and a representation of the syndicate, of course, like how cruel and dark it can actually be uh, because Spike left that life and Vicious, you know, of course, stayed and that's that's the, the line drawn between the two. So I feel like showing him off so much and giving him so much of like this, like brooding, moody character really killed it for me. Julia shown way too fucking early. Julia should have been like a season one, like cliffhanger reveal. Like we should have like, maybe Julia's mentioned and Spike has, you know, his little flashbacks. But then at the end of season one, after Vicious and Spike have their confrontation, you see them both retreat to their sides. You know, Vicious or Spike's back on the bebop kind of recovering and Vicious goes home. And who's at home? Julia. Then the season can, that would have been great because now you're just like, you know, 
Julie is going to get involved in the story. We're going to see more background between him and uh, Vicious, or Vicious and Spike. You know what I mean? But instead, I get to see Julia struggle to try to escape for 10 episodes. It's kind of fucking annoying because it gets so overdone. And like I said, Vicious is just mad for 10 fucking episodes. So I have more to say once we get to the plot, mainly the season finale of the plot. I fucking hated it. Uh, <laughs> but anywho, additionally, a Welsh Corgi dog actors, a Welsh multiple Welsh Corgi dog actors uh, named Charlie and Harry play Ein, a dog with human level intelligence. Uh, Ein is great. Ein is perfect. Ein is actually, I, I take back what I said about uh, Spike and Jet. No offense to them. Uh, Ayn is the best part of the show because Ayn is a dog. Ayn can't do any wrong. Ayn is perfect. Ayn is the best character in the show, hands down. Sorry, guys. That's just how it goes. <laughs> so that's it for like the bulky bulk of me talking about the characters. Now we're going to move into the rest of the cast where I'm just going to have, you know, short little things to say about them because they're, they're, they're a lot of people. So, <laughs> uh, recurring characters, Tamara Tooney plays, uh, Anna. And we all know who Anna is in the, the the anime series. You know, the old lady back in the, the home place with her little bar store place. She ends up dying during like, I think it's like episode 24 or 25. She gets sh she's shot, uh, which is really sad. Uh, Anna owns a jazz bar in this and uh, the live action. I actually like this spin of Anna's character in the live action because we're already kind of losing the feel of of the anime cowboy bebop so if you're gonna make changes might as well go all in for them for them and put your best effort in so they can be good i like the idea of her being like this jazz bar owner and she kind of knows the ins and outs of everything she still has that shock of like oh spike's alive and we see that she's walking around with this cane with a limp because back when vicious was looking for spike uh way back in the past uh he stabbed homegirl in the leg with his sword anger issues so like i said i don't like angry vicious but um because they could have done that with the the original anime kind of variant of vicious but i like anna in the live action i think she was fine you see her enough to the point where it's not overdone she's just kind of this character that knows the ins and outs of the underground without really being a part of the underground um mason alexander park as gren now i'm not gonna say much about this because i know a lot of people have a lot of shit to say about this did i like gren in the live action yes i thought gren was fine was it better than gren in the anime no and the reason why I say that is because the Gren in the live action and the Gren in the anime are two completely different characters. It's not even like counterpart differences, like where Anna is kind of like a counterpart difference from her anime compared to her live action. Uh, Gren in the anime is a different fucking character to Gren in the live action. So that's a good thing and a bad thing because I think Gren was interesting enough in the live action and is a fine addition to the cast. Works at the jazz club, blah, 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 blah. Uh, the character is reimagined as nine binary in the show. If you want to know the exact details of Gren in the anime, I actually don't want to spoil that. So if you haven't watched the anime, why are you listening to this podcast review? Go watch the anime and get to know more about Gren in the anime. And if you've seen the live action or just heard me talk about it now, the Gren's live action counterpart, you'll understand why there's so much controversy around this live action adaptation of the character. I don't hate it. I think uh, Alexander 
Alexander, uh, Mason Alexander Park did a great job, did the thing, but um, two different characters. This would have been better if Gren hadn't gotten revealed until like season two, and the Gren Park was playing was just a different character in general, just to add some flair to it, because this character wasn't very overbearing. It was a non-binary character. They worked at the jazz bar. It was fine. I did not mind them. Again, it's like with Anna. They didn't kind of, they didn't try to force it on you. Gren was just kind of there. There's some scenes where you see Gren working at the uh, the jazz bar, working with other performers at the jazz club, or jazz club, jazz bar. You know what I mean? Um, but they didn't try to push Gren to the forefront. They didn't try to push the fact that Gren was like this non-binary character to the front of the story to try to make that like, look, look at this. They didn't try to parade it, Gren around, which I appreciate. Now, there's something else that they do parade around that I did not appreciate and I feel like was very distasteful. But we'll get to that once we get to the plot. But yeah, Gren, Gren's mixed character ideal, but uh, it's fine. Uh, Era, Ira Munn and Lucy Curry, I am sorry if I'm butchering these names, as Punch and Judy, the duo host of Big Shot, the bounty hunter pro public program. Um, these were fine. These were fine. They weren't great, or they they were good, not great. They weren't as good as the the Punch and Judy we know and love in the anime, of course. But they did a good job portraying these characters for what they were. You don't see them very much. You see them on the TV, just like you do in the anime. Not much else more to say about them. They did their thing. They got their check. Good on them. Uh, Jeff Stoltz. Jeff Stoltz as Chalmers. Okay, so Chalmers is the dude that worked with Jet. Uh, before Chalmers moved to the ISSP, the Intrasolar System Police. And he is married to Jet's ex-wife. Chalmers, fuck Chalmers. <laughs> um, Chalmers is an asshole, and I agree with uh, live action Jet, fuck that guy. But also at the same time, he can kind of be a good person. He understands Jet is trying his best and trying to be a good guy and even tries to reason with Jet's ex-wife about it to, you know, kind of get him on a better side. Even though the two still don't really like each other and Chopper kind of rubs his success in Jet's face due to what happens to Jet and his backstory. But um, it's all right. You know, he's there like one of those characters again. These are like the reoccurring cast, so you don't see them a lot. Um, Carmel, Carmel McGlone as Woodcock, Jet's informant. This character did not need to be here. <laughs> this character did not need to fucking be here. <laughs> um, Woodcock was so weird. It kind of added to like the weird campy humor they were trying to add to the live action. And it's just one of those things where I'm just like, why? Why is this here? While I don't care. Uh, okay, I'll say it like this. She played that character very well for what they wanted her to, that character to be, but that character did not need to exist here, is what I'm saying. Like, I'll accept it, I'll live with it because she's only there maybe like two, three times max if I recall, but why? Why? She's this informant, she's like this older white lady, and she wants to fuck Jet. She makes it, she makes it very clear that she wants the pipe she wants the bbc and <laughs> jet's very uncomfortable by that but he needs information from her uh so he contacts her for info and she's like yeah but i want some jet black 
which I think was also like a race joke. Like she, she wanted some black. She wanted some, you know, she wanted to BBC. She wanted to pipe. Um, <laughs> I don't want to talk about this character anymore. <laughs> Rachel House as Mal, uh, a crime boss who leads the syndicate's white tigers family. Now, um, we, we get more like syndicate-esque uh, families within the syndicate in uh, the live action than we do in the anime. I'm fine with this. I didn't mind the syndicate being as like secretive and dark as it was in the anime because that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be like this uh, high class, secretive, mafia-esque organization crime family in the anime. And it's also where Spike's backstory comes from. So it's like a dark passing that he uh, ran from. And you know, Vicious, he wants his revenge against Vicious. Vicious wants to rule the syndicate as well. And, you know, duke it out with Spike and all that good shit. So I, 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 it was, it was fine as it was in the anime. I do not mind them expanding it in the live action though, because of course there's going to be changes and they expected this to last a couple seasons. I'm assuming maybe about three seasons. So they wanted to, to give a little more, a little more variety to the syndicate. So she leads the, the white tigers family. She was fine. You see her maybe, you see her a couple of times. It's fine whatever you know take it or leave it kind of character uh and trong and how zwande i'm sorry i'm butchering you guys' names but they played shin and lin two siblings employed by vicious's enforcers employed as vicious's enforcers whatever characters they're fine i actually don't even remember them in the live action so take that as you as you want to take it <laughs> John Noble as uh, Caliban, one of the three elders who control the Red Dragon. Oh, okay. So this was supposed to be like Vicious's dad, I believe. This, I, why? 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 Like, why? This did not need to be a thing. And we'll talk about it a little more when we get into the plot. This did not need to be a thing. Uh, it, it was so like, unnecessary he didn't need extra he didn't need daddy issues as extra motivation uh for why he did what he did is what i'm saying it, it, it was just annoying uh the actor was fine but i just did it was just so unnecessary um so you have jan udin and lydia peckman peckham as asimov and katarina's Solazan, a romantic couple on the run from the law, hoping to score big to secure their future. Now, if you know who these characters are, these are the two characters we encounter. I believe this is the very first episode of Bebop where the guy's doing the red eye and the lady's, you know, trying to escape for a better life and all that good da-da-da-da-da. Um, they, they were fine as these characters and they changed up things in the episode, like Faze introduced in episode one as well. But they add this thing to Katarina that like changes it just enough the story just enough to kind of lose its impact you know so it's not as strong as the story that we see told in the anime first episode but the two actors did a good job did a good job uh Kelly Neil, Neil as Abdul Hakim a thief and killer who uses a face changer to hide his true appearance. Excuse me. 
Um, this was fine. I remember this episode. It was a fine little take on the episode. The face changer thing. I didn't need to be a thing. You could have just had Akeem. But, you know, I'm. it's cool. <laughs> like, like, again, it's cool. Nathaniel Lees as the sushi chef. He was Spike's informant. Character was whatever. Spike had an informant. A lot of these, like, guest cast members are, they're fine. You know, they, they, they either were like, eh, or, yeah, okay. <laughs> Adrian um, Barbio as Maria Murdoch, the eco-fascist mastermind who will go to extremes to protect nature. They really played this bitch up to be extremely campy. Um, and she was weird in the anime, don't get me wrong. Uh, Maria Murdoch was weird in the anime as well, and as well as her eco-terrorist organization. But this bitch was very, very, very campy. It was like Faye level campy, but I don't hate it as much because she was literally only in one episode. So <laughs> you don't ever see her again. I do like the way that episode ends too with uh, how she ends up going out. Um, I do like the drug that was turning people in the trees. I thought it was silly and funny, but I thought it worked with that character. So it was weird, but it was whatever. Uh, Matthias... Lafufu? I, I am so sorry. I'm going to butcher a lot of these names. As Udai Taxum, a fugitive connected to Jet's past career as a detective. Ah. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> they, they did the whole Jet's past thing. And, you know, how Jet got injured and how he needed the, the robot arm and how he... And then he gets set set up. Uh, Udai was pretty much involved in that in the live action as well. Um, in the live action. And we see Jet get shot the fuck up. <laughs> and he gets his robot arm and his mechanical replacements. But he also gets framed for shit he didn't do. Ends up getting kicked off out of the police force and thrown in jail. Which is why his wife ends up leaving him. And she marries Chalmers. Right as they're about to have their daughter, Kimmy. Uh, Kimmy is also perfect. She's S tier along with Ayn as characters who could do no wrong. I don't give a fuck. Kimmy didn't. Kimmy is Kimmy. Uh, she did no wrong. So, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I do not like how they handled Udai in this at all. Udai was made to just be a fucking jobber. Um, if, if you've watched the anime, Udai was actually kind of fucking scary. In the episode he was in, it was a jet-centric episode that evolved his past with Udai and how like these prisoners, including Udai, took over a fucking like prison prison spaceship convoy thing. And Udai was crazy, dude. He was dangerous. <laughs> and he's just reduced to kind of like this minor criminal in the live action. And he's just fucking killed to shut up shut up from the real truth. Uh Wade Williams as Fad, Jet's ex-partner in the ISSP. Um, now, I this is actually my favorite episode of Cowboy Bebop, despite uh, the live action Cowboy Bebop, despite all the flaws in the show entirely. I liked it because it was a very jet-centered episode. I do like uh, the way they kind of like shot the flashy back moments and like kind of they tried to put in the effort to make it like noirish. And I and I like the idea of it. I do like the fact that we, we get to see like oh it was my my old partner all along and da 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 this and that and he kills Udai and that was like his only way to clear his name and now Udai and Thad were dead both people that knew the truth uh, the police are on their way 
to like stop him and Chalmers kind of helps Jet get away from it because he knows Jet didn't do it, but there's no way to prove that Jet is innocent, even though Chalmers knows, even though Chalmers gets it. So Chalmers does throw him a freebie. So like I said, Chalmers is an asshole, but he is kind of, he can be a good guy. Uh, so that was, I don't like the way they handle Udai, but I do like the way they handled that episode, I'll say. Um, Jade Harlow as Mel. Okay. <laughs> a mechanic hired by Jet to repair the Bebop and its aging and it is aging engine who has a brief romantic fling with Faye. Now we're gonna talk about that because there's several reasons why I don't like this fucking episode majorly involving this romance. Um, but we'll get to it when we get to the plot. Josh Randall as Peria Lefort. An assassin, oh yeah, an assassin whose sanity was damaged from intensive scientific experimentation. So you remember the scary fucking episode of Cowboy Bebop? Like like the, the borderline Halloween-ish episode of Cowboy Bebop with the dude who had the, the, the item that can neutralize like bullets and shit and he was always screaming and laughing and he wore the suit and he had the big smile like a crackhead and Spike ended up duking it out with him for a final battle in the carnival and he was scared of like fucking cats and shit. Like that kooky character in that really well shot, well made episode. Eh. <laughs> He's a eh in the live action. They kind of set it up the same way as how the anime went down, except uh, Jet and Faye are there as well during the event. <laughs> and Spike gets his ass set on fire. It's kind of wild. But like the way it ends, it's it's okay. It's serviceable. But compared to that fantastic episode in the anime, it doesn't know justice. Uh, Josh Randall did a good job. Did a good job playing the character. Best he could. That character is kind of hard to pull off. Uh, Rodney Cook as the voice of the Teddy Bomber. Okay, so they did adapt the Teddy Bomber episode, uh, which is weird because this is like, Teddy Bomber shows up, I think, very late <laughs> into the anime with like that one cowboy bounty hunter that's an actual fucking cowboy and him and Spike have kind of like a rivalry going on for episode. I think that's like episode 23 or 24. It's it's before like all the crazy shit goes down in the, the rest of the show, like the finale. So it's like 20, it might even be episode 22. But um, they adapt Teddy Bomber. This was like episode two of the live action. I thought this was fine. I thought he did a fine job. And this is where like you get to see more of like Spike and Jet interact and banter as characters. And I th think John Cho and Mustafa uh, did a good good job. And this is where I started to see that. So yeah, it was fine. Christine Dunford as Whitney Haggis uh, Matsumoto, a con artist posing as Faye's mother. Okay, so we have this character. And then we have Tyson Ritter as the Iron Meek, a notorious intergalactic arms dealer who secretly married to Whitney. Uh, now, I have more to say about this episode because it goes hand in hand with something I have to say about the mechanic. These two characters though that are involved in said episode, oh my God, we did not need them that much. We really didn't. They're fine for a like if they weren't there as much as they were and so heavily like integrated into the plot of this episode 
I wouldn't care as much, but oh my god, it was so fucking annoying. I was like, can you go away? You are killing all this tension. You are killing all the weight and impact of this. And I hate you. <laughs> oh my god. Um, and then we had Eden Perkins as Radical Ed. Ed does appear in season one of Cowboy Bebop right at the end right at the last scene of season one because they were setting up stuff for a season two which we're not getting which sucks because i would have loved to see more i can't really judge her because it was literally like 30 fucking seconds a lot of people said oh it sucks they ruined ed i'm just like it was 30 fucking seconds you need to relax i'm not about to judge a whole character off 30 fucking seconds. I would have loved to see more of the portrayal of the character. We're not going to get to see it. Bummer. Could have been more. Uh, additionally, blessings. Mag Magol Magola? <laughs> I'm sorry. Portrays Santiago. While Molly Matre plays Kimmy Black Jet's daughter. Okay. So yeah, those are that's the cast. Um, like I said... With the main cast, very mixed bag. There's some I really, really love. There's some I really, really don't love. And then there's like some in the middle. And then of course there's God tier, which is which is Ayn and, and, and Kimmy. <laughs> and then you kind of have like the, the reoccurring characters and then the guest characters that appear in one episode that are just either like, yeah, they're fine, or I could have done without this. So I don't think the cast itself really strengthened or hurt the plot overall. Like I said, I think it was more of a direction, how it was directed and how it was shot that hurt it. And also, another thing that really hurt it was the plot, of course. Tank. Duh. Where the plot misses. A lot. Alright, uh, I already was pre-gaming before this, and I'm opening a third beer. <laughs> so let's, let's get into the story. Um... I'm just going to dig into what I did not like about this season and why I probably think this season was canceled. <laughs> this might be shorter than the character section. This might be longer because we're going to get into we're going to get straight to the point with this. Uh, the, the biggest reason, again, direction, how it was shot. But there's a lot of things that happened during the main story that I really, really, really dislike. Uh, the main thing, the biggest problem Vicious and Julia. Again, they were in every single fucking episode and they did not need to be. Julia shouldn't have appeared in season one at all. They should have done it like how they did Ed. Uh, I wasn't expecting Ed to be in season one because Ed wasn't even in the first half of the Cowboy Bebop anime. <laughs> so, like, I was like, cool, they'll probably do it like that, and they'll be, Ed, she'll get, Ed will get revealed as, like, you know, she'll be, like, a season finale, like, reveal character, which she was, and sucks that we won't get to see more of her, but Julia should have been the same thing on Vicious's side, like I said, like, with Spike in them, and then, like, they hint at Radical Ed, they were hinting at, they, they made a hint at Radical Ed during season one, too, one of the earlier episodes, so they could have done that easily and gave a bigger hint. And they also could have revealed Julia, like, as a person. Like, seeing that character at the season finale, you're just like, oh, okay. You know? But uh, instead, they were like, no, we're going to show Vicious's whole B-plot with the Syndicate. And kind of make the Syndicate look more, like, 
corny, at least the other uh, the other two families that he was being involved with, kind of make them look a lot more fucking silly than they needed to be. And I hated it. <laughs> I absolutely fucking hated it. Um, Julia at the season finale, I hate too. I'll get in as to why exactly I do not like that. Because there's a lot of people arguing about that. Uh, and it, the argument goes into like, you just don't want to see like a strong female character come up from. No, that's not the issue. The issue lies within how this was executed. And I fucking dislike it. And it just. It diminishes Vicious's character after they've kind of made him this shitty generic character. And then Julia comes out of left field and does this thing. But we'll talk about it. Um, so that was one main thing. Another thing is Faye's backstory. This irked me. I don't know if it irked other people, but this irked the fuck out of me. Uh, so like I said, the strongest point of the Cowboy Bebop live action series is the relationship between the main characters, mainly Spike and Jet. Faye does get involved and has some interesting conversations every now and then. I know people hate the shower bath shower thing when uh, Jet was doing his whole noir episode. I hate it. I didn't hate it. <laughs> Is it weird to say that I didn't hate it? I didn't hate it. I didn't hate the shower bath sour like B plot thing where they were trying to pick a bounty and all that good shit. Because Faye does talk about being a bit of like a femme fatale like she is in the anime. So I thought that was interesting too. And like I said, uh, it took me a minute to warm up to Faye in the live action because Faye in the anime is kind of like this femme fatale fatalist character so she is supposed to be like you know naturally sexy and alluring because that's what she uses to her advantage and that's what uh just one of the aspects that makes faith an interesting character yes Faye is hot there's no denying that but she's she's fucking supposed to be and she uses her good looks to her advantage she knows she's extremely good looking and she uses that to her advantage and that's and she's clever even though she doesn't have this memory and she ended up in this future where things don't make a lot of sense to her at first and she was able to adapt to it and make money and live her life even though she is you know kind of on the run and kind of playing niggas but that's what she did to survive and the fact that she was able to adapt and do that after being frozen <laughs> for so long is like that's cool that's cool to see like i enjoyed seeing that from her so i like those aspects about Faye's character and then the live action we don't get a lot of that but when she was talking about this past job she did to spike in that episode you get a bit of like oh she kind of like seduced them they were on the dance floor she learned how to dance for that she disarmed him on the dance it was cool like yes that's totally Faye. that's something Faye would do i just wish she wasn't played so animated and in your face in the live action but um one thing about face pass that i hate Faye keeps her backstory a secret of course until you know it's time to be revealed like anime like live action but i feel like the show hurt the character dynamic of the said reveal uh because in the episode where the mechanic shows i don't remember the episode numbers i'm sorry but um, the episode where the mechanic shows up, I believe they said in the, the wiki, her name was Mel. Let me double check. Her name was Mel? <laughs> yes, Mel, a mechanic. Um, 
Mel immediately shows sexual attraction towards Faye. Like, she's totally into Faye. She thinks Faye is hot. And don't get me wrong, um, Daniela, uh, what's her name? Panina? Pandita? She's, she's attractive. She's an attractive lady. They picked an attractive person to play the role still. She's just not dressed in that sexy outfit like Faye is, which I don't think is a negative. I don't care. It wouldn't have been a negative if she did wear it. I'm just saying it, it really doesn't fucking matter. Um, but she shows this attraction to Faye, and Faye's kind of, like, confused about it at first. Then it cuts to what Spike's doing. Then it cuts back, because that's the main plot thing with Spike. Then it cuts back to, to, to Faye and the mechanic, and they've had sex. <laughs> and so so Faye's, like, I guess, you know, bi or lesbian in the, in the live action. I don't have an issue with it. I really don't care about that. Um, I do feel like it was very fan y like, they just did that to do it. You know how Gren's, like, non-binary in the live action, but Gren's not in, like, just the front of the show at all times. It's like, hey, I'm not binary. Let me explain to you what non-binary is. Let, let's do a whole thing about that. You didn't need to do that. You, you, uh, you get it. You just get it. You're just like, okay, that's Gren. And they moved along with it. That was handled extremely well. Uh as well as it could be in the live action. This I did not like because yes, there is that argument that people have been bringing up that it's just like, well, why does it she explore your sexuality? That's not the issue. The issue is not even the fact that it's not a part of the source material. I don't give a fuck. It just felt so forced. It felt like, yeah, we're gonna make Faye have this like gay love interest for this episode just because. There was no fucking reason for it. Like there was, there was literally no reason why this random mechanic character shows up is like, damn Faye, you cute. Let me hit. And Faye is just like, okay. <laughs> they just have sex. Then this is the thing that actually makes me mad about this. That was like, kind of like, uh, it felt like they were just trying to do it to do it. Like it was so like, fan servicey but uh, i feel like that hurts that movement like like with the lgbtq whole thing of like character representation i feel like gren it's part, the gren character in the live action which is just like a different character from the anime that aside i feel like the way they handled the non-binary character was handled much better than they handled this lesbian romance episode because it was so much in your fucking face it was just like you this this is nothing this means fucking nothing why is this so necessary because they keep going back to it it wasn't even like a scene they keep going back to it for the whole episode so it's not something you can really ignore because it's always there and you're just like why and then you don't see the mechanic for the rest of the season you only see her in that episode maybe they plan to bring her back in, in season two i'm sure they did but I'm only going off what I saw in season one, and I felt like it was a waste of time. The main issue I have with this, they 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 go back when it cuts back to Faye and Mel after they've had sex, they're laying under the covers, all snuggled up. They're not even in the bedroom; they're just like in like where she was like the part of the the, the bebop where she was fixing it, and they just have a fucking blanket. Um, they're like talking, and Faye brings up the fact that she has amnesia. And that she was frozen and da 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 and she cries and it's supposed to be like this touching scene and then her and mel like kiss i hate this scene because why is she sharing this very sensitive touchy like secretive information 
with fucking Mel. Who cares about Mel that deeply? Mel's not going to be here. Why did she reveal that to Mel before she revealed it to Spike and, and Jet? That was stupid. That killed a lot of the weight and the impact that would have carried to the crew going forward. Now, the thing that makes me even more upset <laughs> is that after the stupid fucking episode <laughs> with, with her lesbian romance as she leaves, um, you go on to the next episode where she's might be able to find her, you know, like her memory kit, da, 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 from the lady who scammed her pretending to be her mom, which is something that was already an established plot point in episode three, where Faye's character is fully introduced in the live action and joins the team. So that's fine. They're connecting plot threads and bringing characters up. They already brought up in earlier episodes. Uh, like I said, the, the Whitney is kind of fucking annoying. She's on screen too much. And the Iron Mink is kind of fucking annoying. He's on screen too much. And their weird, like, kinky romance play. Ugh. So fucking unnecessary. That's not the point of what I want to talk about. The point I want to go to talk about is this is where she's kind of, like, forced to reveal her whole amnesia thing to Spike and Jet. And at first they didn't really believe her, but then they do. But since they're now caught up in her bullshit involving like Whitney and the Iron Mink, they now have to help or find a way to get out of the Iron Mink's grasp of destroying the Bebop. So they're annoyed. My problem with this is, this would have been so much more impactful had Faye not talked about the fucking amnesia in the episode prior. This is literally the next episode. So she already reveals this to this mechanic that we are not going to see for the rest of the season. Then she is forced to reveal it the very next episode to Spike and Jet, the other two main characters. What was the point of Mel knowing this and having Mel do the, having this whole scene with Mel and this romance with Mel, if you were just immediately going to let Spike and Jet know the next episode? Why not just hold that plot off until the next fucking episode. You already established and set up what Faye was looking for in episode three. So why did we need this random thing with this lesbian sex scene <laughs> just for her to talk about that and cry to it to someone that's damn near a fucking stranger to her? It made no sense to me. She knew Spike and Jet longer, even though she hadn't known Spike and Jet for that long. She lived on the same ship as them. So it makes more sense for her to tell them than it is for her to tell Mel. It just, it, it was just like a mess. It was just like, what was the point of writing this? You just, it was dumb. So now you've ruined the impact that could have had in that episode because it could have been like, oh, Faye's got amnesia. And even though they're mad at, and then they eventually understand and want to help her because this is serious for her. And we get the whole videotape thing too. I thought that was fine. and. We don't get the whole scene where they gotta find like a Betamax player, which I think sucks because I love when they have to find the Betamax player for it. But um, because they already have one on the Bebop, but we still get the tape scene. I think it was fine. I think it was a good counterpart to the live action. Of course, it's not as impactful because it's revealed a lot earlier in the live action than it is in the anime. But I thought it was cool. And like I said, I would have enjoyed this episode overall more if Whitney and Iron Mink weren't in it nearly as much as they fucking were. And as if Faye hadn't already revealed her past to Mel in the previous episode. This episode could have been a lot stronger. And then it hurts me because in the episode where they have, uh, what's his name? 
the crazy Halloween killy guy. When they do that episode, they're at the bowling alley. And then Jet and Spike give Faye a cake because they're just like, it'll be your birthday now, you know? And I thought that was fucking cute. I was like, look at them. They're bonding as like, you know, characters. They got to live on the same ship together. Spike and Faye had their moments when Jet was doing his whole back uh, pass thing. And so, you know, like, uh, or Spike and Jet have their whole thing. And Spike and Faye have their whole thing when Jet was doing his whole background story episode. So to have that, you know, happen where they get her a cake for a bir- for like a birthday because she doesn't, you know, of course doesn't remember what her actual birthday is. I thought that was cute and it showed that the characters were learning to get along together and bond. They went out to go bowling together. Like, what the f- <laughs> like, And Jet played kind of like that older father figurely role because, you know, he took them out to go bowling. So I thought it was neat. And then Jet likes to talk about like old jazz music because he used to talk about, he loves jazz music. And he used to talk about it with his old partner who portrayed him fad and so he likes to talk about it even though Faye kind of looks like bored and annoyed by it so it's just like it's kind of like that dynamic was there you could see they were trying in the live action but it just wasn't quite hitting and it hurts because they could have done it they almost had it this live action series is a fucking bag of you almost had it but because they didn't get it, it becomes a painful six out of 10 for me. <laughs> like, it's just like, I wanted you to be more. Like, even with the intro sequence, I was fine with the intro se- the sequence of the first episode. I was like, this is cool. This is neat. This is a great way to introduce Spike and Jet. And I had high hopes moving forward from that. And I was just let down several times throughout watching this season. Uh, like with the first episode with the whole red eye thing. The reason why I say, said earlier the story kind of gets muddled up is because they add this aspect to Katarina where she's like a part of this rich family. So she's also trying to run away from this rich family. Why was that necessary to add? You kind of ruined the impact of what the story originally was in the first episode of Cowboy Bebop. Also, their depths are a little different. It's just overall kind of like... They made it this thing, you're like, oh damn, this bitch is loaded. No wonder Faye wants to, you know, get her and take her back. Da 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 da. It kind of turns it into that, something more generic rather than this, like, wow, that was a very interesting story for an episode one. Holy shit. You know what I mean? And it kind of just becomes like, oh, okay, that was episode one. That's a big difference. Like with the episode with I and with the face change thing, it had some funny moments in that episode with uh, a. with Hakeem uh there's a lot of funny moments don't get me wrong I I was chuckling here and there and they had a cool action sequence on the roof a lot of people said the action sequences were corny I disagree I think they were fun I think they were very fun um but overall it's just like god damn it like they kind of change a lot of the 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 bounties that they have like you know those episodes where they're like they have this bounty they change it just enough that it's not as unique as it was in terms of the anime they kind of make these plots a lot more generic and very straightforward to their anime counterpart and it's just like damn and that combined with the directing of it which is very generic how it's shot which is kind of very generic and you just kind of have this very generic show and i think the main issue is as we go further and further into the live action watching it you kind of realize this isn't cowboy bebop this is very cowboy bebop inspired 
like if this was just some random sci-fi noir like series that netflix made i feel like it would have been a lot more successful because you wouldn't be expecting these characters to be how they are in the anime because there is no anime you wouldn't be expecting the writing to be the same because there is no anime to compare it to it would have just been this weird kind of campy sci-fi noir show on netflix but then people could watch it and be like hey you can kind of tell this was inspired from cowboy bebop and i feel like people would have enjoyed it a little bit more because that pressure of trying to be this great show would not be there so it would have more room to breathe and be itself and do these different things comfortably to the point where you could see like oh it takes inspiration from this this and this and maybe it could have done a lot better instead of just being like this live action cowboy bebop if that makes sense i could be sounding like a crazy person disregard me if i'm sounding like a crazy person but then we have you know the whole there's uh, of course we have the whole uh jet episode with his daughter or uh with his with his whole backstory and why he's not with his family like i said uh his partner set him up and we talked about that when i was bringing up chalmers character and udai and uh fed excuse me fed um how he got played and set up and kicked out and pretty much had his career muddled up and his wife his ex-wife now hates him he barely gets to see his daughter it feels like he's constantly letting his daughter down because he's doing these bounties on the side to make money and they're not coming up successful and it kind of adds a little more layer to that because in cowboy bebop if you watch the anime these niggas hardly ever get like big bounties even when they do kind of get a big bounty like expenses and shit so they're, they're like broke <laughs> you have jet who's like this former uh police officer detective guy who is called the black dog so you know he had a big rep he got shit done spike was a part of the syndicate it's just like and they are making no money ed's a fucking hacker face like this brilliant come up from the bottom amnesiac femme fatale and they are making no fucking money <laughs> so that's kind of like a part of the joke of cowboy bebop too like you have all these characters from these different backgrounds who are just have these fucked up past too and they're going through shit and they cannot make a crumb <laughs> so it's it's bell peppers and beef sans bell pepper or sans beef every fucking night <laughs> like, and there's something endearing to that like there's an endearing quality to that because the characters feel more natural you get that vibe of just like damn another another bad luck day like you you feel that as a person especially as an adult if you're an adult and you go back and watch cowboy bebop like let's say you only watched it on tsunami as a kid if you're a grown-up and you go back after working a job like you you feel it you understand the pain that meme of spike in the snow like does it look like i have money <laughs> it's just like me too me too i vibe does it look like i have some fucking money like <laughs> so it, there's just something to love about it and to, to hold close to your heart <laughs> but you don't really get a lot of that here like i said it really just makes the plot very pale and plain and basic uh there was something else i wanted to read. they do have an episode it's episode nine so before they get to the season finale episode nine shows like this past of spike back when he was fearless when he was in the syndicate with vicious and how vicious wanted to make a name for himself and he's he was just kind of like he had these anger issues and he was one of the big bosses like kids and so you know he felt like he had something to prove and fearless was 
Spike as fearless was like this calm, like vicious mercenary and vicious was just vicious, <laughs> just violent. And they wanted to make a name and they, you could see like they were like best friends. So I do like that because it shows more like of like vicious and Spike being like friends and on the come up and how vicious wanted Spike at his side. Uh, when he wanted to, you know, Vicious wanted to be head of the Senate again. He wanted Spike by his side the whole time. And then Julia gets involved in the plot. And Julia and Vicious start getting this thing. And then, you know, Vicious keeps fucking up, like, important jobs because of his temper. <laughs> and Spike, you know, being fearless at the time, tried to has to calm him down. And they like fearless, but they're just like, yo, Vicious fucking up too much. So they want Spike to kill Vicious. And he just doesn't end up doing it. And instead he goes to try to like fix the situation entirely by killing like this, killing off this entire rival gang by himself. Uh, stuff happens also in that backstory that eventually leads to Spike and Julia falling in love. And Spike's like, we should run away together. We'll leave the syndicate together, which leads into what we know where Vicious finds out. He stops Julia from leaving and he fucking boom boom spike he shoots him up and spike survives and then you know the rest he ends up you know a jet and he becomes a cowboy he doesn't really talk much about his past so episode 10 is where shit hits the fan the first half the first the first like three-fourths ish of this season finale i enjoyed because what's happening is Faye is learning more about her past, so she's kind of being cut off from the group at the time because she wants to explore that route more. But then there's also this aspect of the syndicate kidnapped Kimmy, Jet's daughter. So Jet's freaking the fuck out, and he's like, why would the, the syndicate do that? And then you find out that uh, it, it all comes together that, you know, Jet finds out that Spike used to be a part of the syndicate. He never told him because Spike was afraid that, you know, Jet would want to fucking kill him for that, which he does. He fucking does. So now that Jet's been involved with someone who was a part of the syndicate, that's why they used his daughter as leverage because they knew Spike and Jet would have to make a move. So uh, Jet doesn't trust Spike anymore. He, like, knocks him out, put, throws him in the trunk. Faye's not fucking with the plan because he's got Spike in the trunk. So, like, the... The, the bond, the, the teamwork that you've seen slowly kind of build up throughout season one between the three is slowly starting to crumble. And Faye has this whole thing of like wanting to explore her own past due to stuff that's happened in the episodes. I don't want to get too much into detail with it because it's not important anymore at this point. But um, it is going to be important for what I'm going to say and this, what happens where they all leave off in the season finale. But it's not necessary for you to know the information of how they get there. So uh, what happens is jet agrees to like make a plan with spike the plan doesn't end up working out da 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 da, da. more stuff happens Faye manages to save them at the last second as vicious is about to kill jet and kimmy in front of spike and they kill spike because vicious is fucking crazy and vicious does this thing of just like we're both like you know evil but spike's more spike's like a cockroach you know we're both you know bad like spike's just as bad as me the only difference is I embrace it and like kind of aspects of him. And I kind of enjoyed that from vicious at the season finale, but I'm like, damn, it took that long for you to say something kind of interesting. So Faye ends up saving them. Uh, spikes beat the fuck up. Jets beat the fuck up. Jets like limping. So spikes gets jet 
uh, and Kimmy onto Faye's ship. Uh, he gets shot because he blocks, he turns him, his back because he's holding Kimmy as they're walking out of the church. And he turns to like, so Kimmy doesn't get shot. And then they, they kill the guy. So he has like a bullet in his shoulder. He's beaten the fuck up. He goes back into the church to have a showdown with Vicious. So Vicious and Spike are having their showdown, right? And it's in the standoff. They're both hurt. They're both beaten up badly. And then Julia shows up, right? And she shoots Vicious. She does not kill Vicious, though. She shoots him. He's on the ground. Spike's like, oh, my God, Julia. This is where shit starts to just fall apart. I absolutely fucking hated this. So Julia's just like, why didn't you, if you've been alive this whole time, Spike, why didn't you come to, to save me? Like, why did you never come get me? Bitch, you know damn well why Spike didn't come get you immediately. He can't just waltz back into syndicate territory or even reveal that he's alive remotely around the syndicate after what happened. They would just make sure they got the job done this time. It would be, there'd be no point in it. He had to make sure he was ready. He had to slowly plan. He had been slowly waiting for his moment to strike at Vicious. And so that makes sense to me. Now, in Julia's state of mind, that doesn't make sense. Like, why didn't you come get me? And I can understand it to an extent. You know, she's been trapped for years with fucking Vicious, trying to play nice wife to him, even though she does not like him and she does not feel safe around him, which she shouldn't, because at one point, Vicious is choking that bitch out. Um... <laughs> And so she kind of snaps and goes into this whole thing like, I'm going to rule the syndicate now. Like, I'm going to be the leader of the syndicate. Because uh, in, like, episode eight, Vicious has this whole plan unveil. And he manages to kill the, the other two rival families in the syndicate as well as the three syndicate heads. So now he's technically leader of the syndicate. So now that Julia has him at gunpoint, she's like, I'm going to be the leader now. So Julia's starting to go villain. I do not like this. And the reason why I don't like this, there was no reason for her to have any sort of malice or hate towards Spike. That I understand like being a little confused of why, like, why didn't you come save me? Cause she, you know, she's been scared all this time. But what is Spike by himself going to do? That makes no sense. And so like that and combined with like, you know, Vicious being mean, like I'm gonna be the lead. Like it, it's, it feels really weird. It feels so out of character for Julia. Like, I, if Julia in the anime, if they were in that situation and it was Julia in the anime, she just would have fucking killed Vicious. <laughs> like, if she was in a position where she could point a gun and shoot at Vicious without Vicious knowing, she just would have killed that man. <laughs> like, but instead, she's snapping and like, I'm going to be the leader and I'm going to put you through hell vicious and all of this and she shoots spike out of like the top floor of the church out of the cathedral and all the glass falls and he falls to the ocean but he manages manages to survive so here's where everyone separates so faye drops jet and his daughter off back at the bebop faye's like hey i'm gonna go follow this lead because it could have a link to my past you know who i was before this i have to follow that and jet fully understands uh, J uh kimmy's mom and Chalmers come pick Kimmy up. They don't say a fucking word to Jet. Of course, they're so fucking mad at Jet. Even though this isn't Jet's fault, Jet had no idea Spike was involved with the syndicate. And Jet was furious when he found out. So Jet's now put in this situation where he just looks like this 
awful fucking person because he looks like he was involved in syndicate activity. So now, not only is he framed for like a crime back in the day that caused the divorce between him and his wife and him being kicked out of, you know, kicked out from being a cop. Now this is stacked on top of it. So things are looking pretty bad and he might not be able to see his daughter. So he's really pissed off. Not only that, his legs busted up. So there's even more reason to be mad. So now we got Spike limping back after that. And Jet, I really like this part where Jet's like talking to me. He's like, Vicious is right. You're like, you know, like, like a cockroach. I knew you'd survive. Da 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 this and that. And at the end, he's like, I'm, I'm gonna let you off, but if I ever see you again, Spike, I'll fucking kill you. And I understand that anger rather than Julia's anger towards Spike. I understand Julia being mad at Vicious. She has every right to be, but she should have just fucking killed him. She could have still been the leader of the syndicate and just fucking killed him. I, I feel like she could have done that, but, but instead, who gonna check her? Who gonna check her at that point? <laughs> like, um... But instead, she ends up going psycho and, like, shooting Spike, too. So it's Spike's fault, even though Spike didn't do anything wrong. And But with the, with the whole Jet and Spike thing, I understand that because Spike didn't tell Jet. And they had, you know, they become these really good friends on these bounties together. And like I said, with that banner and that back and forth, they had this friendship of, like, a, this really tight bond. And so Jet felt betrayed by that. Not only that, not only was Jet's life put in danger because of this, Jet's family, Jet's daughter was put in danger because of this. So I understand his anger and his fury. And even though his fury is more justified, I feel, towards Spike, he did not retaliate against Spike. He let Spike go. He was just like, but if I see you again, Spike, I'll fucking kill you. He was letting him off because Spike did help save Kimmy. But he's like, that's it. I don't ever want to see you again. Like, that was the split. So Jet's by himself on the Bebo. He's going to have to figure his family situation out. Faye's out looking for her pass. Spike's now down on his luck out on the streets. And he's beat to fucking hell. So it cuts back to Julia and Vicious. And she has him locked up in this back room. And she's like, haha. So pretty much she's going to be running the, the syndicate. And he's kind of like like a, a puppet, you know, like a fake leader just for show. I, even though they're not going to see him, she's like, I'll be talking for you, you know, like that. And she has Vicious locked up and Vicious is freaking out and he's broken and he looks weak. And I don't like this either because Vicious was never that character. Like I said, he was just supposed to be like impactful to Spike and like this impact on Spike and it represents something towards Spike. So maybe you can say like, whoa, they're giving him an actual character. I'm like, but the point isn't for him to have this actual character. That's not the point of the storyline. This is all a part of Spike's past and the fact that he was running from it. And by the end of Cowboy Bebop, he ends up facing that. And that whole saying of you're going to carry that weight because he had, to, it had to come to that point. So to have Vicious not only be this character, but to have him being essentially bitchicized He's, even though he's always kind of always been this bitch of a character in the live action it's kind of annoying and so they were gonna make julia like a villain in season two i guess i don't know how that would have worked maybe i would have liked it if season two was gonna get made but i don't like how things turned out in that aspect i do like how they were setting up for them to be separated in season two 
because what I do think maybe they were going to do a three season show. So let's go off of this. Let's say Julia was villain of season two. She's doing her thing. And that's her B plot. Well, Vicious is chained up and Vicious, now Vicious is trying to escape. It's it's switched places now. So she's doing that. Maybe that would have been interesting. I don't think it would have been because Vicious and Julia's B plot was not interesting in season one. It was annoying. Uh, but Spike now is is with Radical Ed. Ed shows up at that season finale and she she needs Spike's help. So that's what's happening. So it would have been Spike and Ed doing their thing. Jet doing his thing. Maybe Spike trying to you know make things good with him and jet again and then Faye doing her whole thing her whole thing so maybe we would have had like these three different main plots going on with the main cast whereas oh i guess jet had ein too <laughs> whereas um we have the background plot with julia what she's doing with the syndicate and then maybe these stories kind of converge during like the last two to three episodes of season two and then season three is where everything comes to a head and whatever they were going to do, whatever they were going to do. I don't know. Maybe that's what they had planned, but we'll never know. I just know that this season finale could have been so much better, but they made so many mistakes with, like, that big, like, twist at the end. It was so, like, ugh. It was so unnecessary, you know what I mean? Like, you don't need Julia to be a villain. You only need Vicious. Just use Vicious. And I think it's because they played their cards too early, too. Because now Vicious is already the leader of the Syndicate. In the anime, he doesn't do any of that crazy shit until near the end of the anime. Which leads to like the that big finale on that showdown between him and Spike. And so it's just like, nah, they already did that and the season's not even over. So now they have to do something else to wrap it up. Oh, well, Julia will be a bad guy. So now we'll just have like a season of Julia being a bad guy until Julia's not a bad guy. Maybe they're going to kill Julia in season two. And now Vicious is the villain again. I would have just rather it be Vi Vicious is a villain in the shadows in season one. Vicious more has a B plot in season two, kind of like how they were trying to do in season one. And then Vicious is on the forefront of villain at season three. That slow build up to like Vicious more and more coming to the light as like this is going to be the end game. Just like in the anime, like that is going to be the end game. Spike's final confrontation with Vicious. But they didn't do that. So, like, again, that combined with a lot of the, the writing, a lot of how the characters were written to be portrayed, with how it was, like, boring to see in terms of direction and in terms of how it was shot. Like, none of the colors really pop. Some of the scenes, like, when they're in space or when the swordfish takes off, the colors do pop and it looks really nice. But not all the time. Like, like it's very few and far between. So all in all, I can understand why the show got canceled. And as I was talking, like, I'm sure you can see, like, there's a lot of points for potential of what this could have been in season two onward. There are a lot of things you could tell they were setting up and trying to get set up to be done in future seasons. I just feel like they didn't have a strong enough base to justify them getting a season two. And that is why the show got canceled. So, uh, that's pretty much all I have to say about that when it comes to the main plot. I think it's cut and dry at that point. Whatever happens, happens. The future of live action anime adaptations. So I think it just, um, ends up being boiled down to can live action anime, anime adaptations actually work? I think they can, despite the amount of failures we've seen. <laughs> thus far from live action anime adaptations we've had some good ones 
the first live action Tokyo Ghoul film, I thought was pretty solid. I didn't think it was that bad. I actually pretty much enjoyed it. Uh, despite how I feel about the mangaka for Roroni Kenshin, I'm not supporting that new anime, by the way. Fuck all that bullshit. That nigga like kids um, in a bad way. But uh, the live action film adaptations were very good. And I do like respect the actors for those because a lot of those films came out before it was revealed that uh, Homeboy liked minors and was carrying CP. Um, so, and if you didn't know that, yes, the writer for Roroni Kenshin uh, was arrested a few years back for possession of CP and he admitted to liking young girls. I've talked about it a couple of times on the podcast, on our main podcast, but um, that's a story for another day. <laughs> uh, you know, I do think live action adaptations have the potential to be successful. Uh, I haven't watched the Bleach one yet. I do want to watch it. I just haven't watched it yet. I need to sit down and just watch it. I've heard mixed things. I've heard people say, oh no, it was pretty good. And I've heard people say it sucked. Uh, so I, there's mixed opinions and I always like getting my own opinion first. Like everyone was saying this show was just really awful. And I heard a couple of people saying they were praising the live action Bebop. I, I like to catch things for myself and Bebop didn't quite have it. Like I said, they almost had it. They almost had it, but not quite. And that's what really sent it plummeting down to like a six for me. And it's again, Cowboy Bebop inspired, not Cowboy Bebop. And I feel like what these live action, whoever making these live action films, uh, whatever studio, whatever country does it, they need to understand that they need to not just go for like inspired. They need to capture that essence. I don't mind changes. Of course, there's going to be changes in live at live uh, action adaptations for film and for shows when when it comes to adapting anime. It makes sense to me. It's got to happen. I'm willing to accept that. I'm willing to accept change. It's just the fact that they change too much for the point where they take the vibe, the very essence and soul from that series. They suck it away until it's not there. And then you just kind of have this product that's like, I can see the influence, but it's not this. So either make original series that are inspired by these classic anime shows or take more time and care to really adapt these animes if you take the time to care for it to really look at the source material to see the aspects that people actually love and enjoy about these series and you take that into consideration as you move it over to live action you're gonna have an overall better product because you're going to understand what the fan truly loves about that show you're taking the heart out of it. You can have these set pieces. You can have these costumes. You can have these action scenes. You're gonna have like the swordfish take off and have it look super cool. But if you don't have the essence, you don't have Cowboy Bebop. You have something that is inspired by Cowboy Bebop. And that's the real folk blues of it, honestly. <laughs> um, corny, corniness aside, corny lines aside, I do think like I said, there is a potential shot at having successful live actions more consistently. I think a good example is like uh, recently there's been a couple of video game adaptations that have been very good. I really like Detective Pikachu. One of my first like test episodes for the 40 Ounce Fridays podcast 
was me talking about a bit about when I went to see Detective Pikachu in theaters. And I thought it was pretty good. And I saw the Sonic movie a few months back, like the first one I finally watched it. I thought that was pretty fucking good. I'm actually very excited for the second Sonic movie. And I'm very hopeful for it. And if video game adaptations can finally get some good ones in, you know, I think anime can do it too. There's always a chance. There's always a chance. There's always a chance. It all just depends on how much heart they put into it, how much time they take to actually look into the, the source material, how much time they take it to be like, what do the fans really love about this series? Do that and you're gonna have a successful adaptation. Get people dedicated to the cause. Spike and John and Mustafa, they, they, they did a great job playing Spike and Jet because they actually really fucking like Cowboy Bebop. Like, they love it. So it's just like, of course they put their all into portraying those characters. If you can do that with a solid, well-rounded cast and have the direction really reflect the core and heart and essence of an anime, it doesn't have to be shot like an anime. It doesn't have to be a one-for-one -one thing. But if you can capture that with a solid cast that actually knows the series too, The Witcher. Um, the Witcher has been a great Netflix series going on currently. I haven't seen it yet personally, but I hear nothing but good things about it. I'm going to sit down and watch it sooner and soon enough when I have the time. So it's just like, come on guys, you can do this. I believe in you. If the video games can do it, then anime can do it. And that's where I stand on that. And thank you guys so much, uh, for sticking through this. This is the first episode, the first session of drink tasting i do plan to make these shorter in the future think of this kind of like as this test episode series premiere and i did have a lot to say about the live action just because it's canceled that i wanted to get into the comparisons and the differences and where i think this failed exactly so i did have a bit more to talk about when it came to this so hopefully i want these to not be any longer than like an hour and a half we're a little over we're like an hour and 41 minutes in now um, I want these to be like an hour to an hour and a half, you know, something you could sit down and, and listen to in one sitting. Cause I want that to be for the podcast too, going forward. That's why I want to take reviews out of the main podcast and make them their own kind of side thing. That way everything is overall, like the podcast can be, the main podcast can be like two hours, maybe two and a half hours if we go a little longer and stuff like this can be like an hour to an hour and a half, ideally an hour, just like more smaller side segments. So, um, hopefully this goes well. Let me know what you guys think. I would love to hear it. And moving forward, I hope to do a little better with these and condense them down a little more. Like I said, I just had a lot to say about this one because a lot needed to be said. But um, thank you guys. Thank you guys for sticking through it. Thank you guys for sticking with us uh, for another, for a whole year. We did a whole year consistently uploading every other week. Uh, I, this, is, this is another way I want to switch to weekly. Like we can have a main podcast and then the next week we can do a review or something else. And I want to do more consistent content uploads. I want to upload to YouTube more kind of have like a video format with just like little screenshots of pictures and stuff like that. Uh, maybe upload to video. I want to have guests like my friends who are also nerds be on stuff. I want to do a lot more. So thank you for listening to this little experiment. Again, this was session zero of drink tasting and as always, thank you guys.
for all the love and support. I swear to my bones, I love you niggas. <laughs> Get it? Because the, the song playing right now is, is, is swear to my bones. Um, but thank you guys. I'm going to head out. Uh, I'm going to get this edited a little bit more and ready for upload uh, New Year's Eve. And I'm going to go to sleep because I got to go to work. It's almost midnight. <laughs> Good night, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, also, also. Oh, my God. I almost forgot. I wanted to say this, even though it happened uh, at the start of the month. Uh Keiko Nobumoto. I talked about this in the podcast too. I mentioned it before, but I wanted to mention it on here too. Uh, Keiko Nobumoto. She was the writer for Cowboy Bebop as well as a lot of other uh, iconic anime series back in the 90s and the 2000s, the early 2000s. She passed away on December 1st. Um, it was a uh, esophageal cancer that she she passed from. So um, just shout out to her. May she rest in peace and bless her for you know bringing this great 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 series that we all love so i just want to say that too okay guys bye あまりにも時は過ぎてしまった。また心の誇りを癒せぬまま風が吹き。